For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in Lions. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V right here on the Believe Podcasting Network. That's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. Here on the show, we believe in the Detroit Lions, and by the end of this episode, so will you. I'm very excited to bring back for the second week here on Believe in Lions, the one and only legendary safety, Benny Blades. Benny, how are you doing this week? I'm doing just wonderful down here in sunny South Florida, trying to stay safe uh, from what's going on. Absolutely. it's. Uh, I heard the Lions might have to go down there for one preseason game against the Miami Dolphins, who I'm sure you're familiar with, but we don't want to be sending our Lions or uh, the Dolphins down there in Miami uh, into any trouble. So the NFL's announced no preseason games. I know last week you said only one or two is all you would need to be get up and rolling as a football player, but now they're going to play no preseason games, no OTAs, no off-season workouts, no nothing, just show up, lift weights for a few weeks, then barely get on the field, and then before you know it, they're playing live NFL games. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just hoping, uh, the, the young people, I, I don't too much worry about veterans who've been in the league for, uh, seven or eight years or more. Those guys kind of prepare themselves year round. When, when you're talking about guys who've been only rookies and first and second year guys, they, they, they're just getting into that grind of what NFL season does, not only to your psyche, but to your body. And uh, we, we as Lions fans are going to have to have a lot of patience when it comes to our, our, our rookies because these guys are just going to be tossed right into the fire. And like I said last week, how do you know what you really have without being battle-tested in these preseason games? And so they're going to be thrown into the fire with guys who have, you know, a, a lot of uh, knowledge of, 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 and wisdom in the game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, we're going to have to definitely give the rookies, younger players a little bit more time to get up to speed. Uh, I'm, a, you know, I'm not a fan of preseason, but I'm really not a fan of canceling it other than, you know, we're definitely in a safety first type moment. And if it gets us through the season or regular season football, I'm all for that. So I'm glad you're staying safe where you're at. And the NFL is coming to some agreement, you know, kind of giving in to the players, which is pretty much always a good thing. You know, they put up a battle to start, but they've uh, come back on some of those demands. So that's uh, that's excellent to see from all sides. So we're going to hit one other news and notes, and then we're going to get into your career, Benny, as a Detroit Lion. I know all the Lions fans out there are fired up to hear about uh, after you got drafted by the Lions. And then everyone has to stay tuned to the end of the show because we are going to ask Benny what he thinks about the top three lion safeties. We'll have thoughts on Tracy Walker, Deron Harmon, and Will Harris. So stay tuned for that as well. 
Benny, this next one really interests me, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So the the NFL now, I'm sure you're aware of this. So is all the fans out there. It's all about the money. I mean, it's all about the dollars and cents in the NFL. I mean, they can tell you all they want about love of the game or they're trying to do this for the safety. We know it's about dollars and cents. So I wanted you just to tell the fans, you see all these crazy numbers out there now about the NFL making billions and billions with a B. Um, You have players making millions and millions and millions. I was just curious what you think about all this when these ridiculous revenues, you know, the NFL taking care of their former players or not taking care of them in some ways. And then what was it it like in the eighties and nineties when you were dealing with the dollars and cents of the league? Were you just a guy that was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to try to get my fair market and go, or were you a guy that was always on top of the business side? I'm really curious to hear. Well, I I was one of those players. uh, I really didn't, too much uh, dabble on the uh, money side of the thing because, like I told you last week, I, I was one of those lunch pail kind of kids, and I thought that if if my play, you know, dictated what, what you what you're supposed to pay me, but that that wasn't always the case with my years there with the Lions. I mean, I I've, I've had some as far as the business side of, I've had some horrendous experiences with them when it when it when it came to handling the business side because they they knew a guy like myself and Chris Bilbin, Jerry Baldwin and Omar Brown. They just knew we were we were we were those lunch pail kids and we were coming to play. And so they preyed upon those gestures and, and that's why you see a lot of those guys were, you know, ousted from from the team even at the height of their, their their careers because they wanted to get paid their fair market value. And today's kid, I mean, it's it's astronomical what they're, they're being paid. And so I, I, I tell them all the time, hey, get what you can. You know, I, I think I was talking to one of my friends about three, four years ago. And I said, one day there's going to be a billion-dollar football player. He said, Ben, get out of here. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, 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 because the way the market is being driven up, the TV contracts are just stupidly crazy now. And they have to share that revenue. And I've, I've talked to a few people that, you know, they are in the scouting departments and the front office. And this has been, it's not like when you guys played. You guys played for the love of the game. And so a lot of the front offices took advantage of that. These kids now, they know they're, they're playing for the money. It's not for the love of the game. It's for the money. If you, if you can give me $8 million a year and I can give you a half a season because, you know, either my, my leg is hurting, my, I hurt my wrist, or you know, any of those, you know, things that you're not 100%, then it's, it's not for the love of the game. It, it's, it's for the dollar. And I, I, I tell the kids all the time, I don't begrudge you for going for the money because it is a business. But you do have to understand that on the business side of it, we as players who've made the league what it is today, all we ask is to take care of us on the back end. That 1% or 2% that you're going to give 
to former players is not going to hurt hurt their bottom line. You know, instead of making, you know, $8 million, you're going to make 7.9, you know. And so right. those are the things I think the older guys who built the league, not, not just those, those guys in the 80s and the 90s. I'm talking about I know guys who've played in the late 60s and the 70s, and I look at those. I'm man, I don't, I really don't want to be that person when I get to be, you know, in my late 70s, because these these guys are really hurting, and there's nothing out there. I mean, they, they've made a, a little bit better for us, but when you have to spend your life savings to go get a knee replacement, that the NFL, you know, say <laughs> we're not taking care of that. You know what I mean? Good riddance. You know, you played the game. You know, but. All of those things you got to take care of on your own. There's, you know, I, I tell people, if we can get any of the medical costs that uh, Major League Baseball and basketball gets, I think a lot of a lot of the older guys will be just happy with that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I thank you for being open on all that. You know, it's it's disappointing to hear that you had some issues, you know, with the, the Lions front office back in the day. I, I know one thing I'd say, you know, it, it always comes down kind of to when you played because I know I was a big basketball fan growing up, you know, and you would always hear, you know, Jordan was the best in the game. But I think for a majority of his career, yeah, he might have been the highest player, but he was maybe making three, four million. And then at the very end, he started getting, you know, 10, 20 million per year because everything ramped up. And, and that's just the the tough part about when you played. And, and you know, back then, you know, so, some of the players were getting top money, but it's just nowhere like it is today. And, and like you say, the NFL, I think, should be a little bit better when it comes to the guys that paved the way, that gave their bodies on the line. I mean, now you're making billions back then. You weren't. You know, there were times the NFL was really struggling, but now they are the top sport in the world. I, I don't care what anybody wants to say about some of the European sports or some of this other stuff. Like, the NFL is king. So they should definitely be taking care of former players, former guys that really put it on the line. And, and like you say, taking care of medical, taking care of you guys in regards to pensions and all that. I mean, I think that's simple because when I see these guys haggling over things nowadays, it really makes me feel like, you know, like you kept saying, passion for the game, wanting to play. I mean, yeah, these guys want to play, but at the end of the day, they spend a lot of time at the negotiating table talking about, you know, other things other than football and everybody's making a ton of money these days. So I think we as fans would definitely want them to just, you know, get up, play ball and stop, you know, uh, talking about billions and millions and, uh, you know, be happy with where they're at as a, as a league. And like you say, never, ever forget about those that came before and, and whatnot. So I thank you for sharing that. And like I say, I'm kind of glad the players and the owners seem to be coming together for this season, but I think you bring up a lot of good points that we need to think about in the future. So other than that, I mean, there's, there's not a ton of lions news rookies reported. Uh, We haven't got a ton of photos of Swift or, you know, Okuda in the building yet, but that'll be coming out soon next week. All the players will be there. They're going to be tested every day and away we go with training camp to see if it's going to go the way the NFL wants and if we can start playing football. So it'll be very interesting. We'll be talking all about that in future shows. But, Benny, how about we get to some good stuff here? How about we talk about the Detroit Lions and you joining the team in 1988? How about we uh, start there and get rolling? Yes, let's, let's start. 
<laughs> Benny, l- l- let me ask you this. Last week we, we played the sound bit. We talked about with the third pick in the 1988 draft, the Detroit Lions select. Benny Blades, who was at home uh, watching it on TV, didn't think he was going to be taken by the Lions. You told a great story about Wayne Fonts. To pick it up from there in general. Like, I want to know, you know, where your head was at after that. Well, you, know, you, get, you get to Detroit the first time, your rookie season. Like, just dive into it. Well, here's here's what happened. After I get picked, you know, I mean, I was excited. You know, my... Number three uh, pick is no joke. That's yeah, that's, good. that's big and time. So when when you when you we we had a small house that we grew up in, and I tell you, we must have packed about two hundred people up in that house. Nice, you know, because I, I, I knew I was gonna go high, but I just didn't know it was gonna be a third pick. And so when I get picked, uh, I get on the phone and. Uh, all he, all, he was, all he said was, you have a plane ticket at the airport. You're going to be on the next flight from <laughs> Fort Lauderdale heading to Detroit, Michigan. Mind you, like I said, my brief stint in Michigan was that debacle that they brought me in in the snow. So right. I was already like, wow. Is it going to be cold there? That's the first thing I thought. Is it going to be cold in Detroit? But when I when I get there, now I, I tell people, and, and I still joke about it, here I am, I'm a country South Floridian coming to the Motor City. When I get there, I have the plane land. They scurry me over to a helicopter. I had never been on a helicopter. I was like, whoa, okay, this is first class organization we go out we go out to the silver dome and the pistons are playing okay okay and a guy who i had grown up watching my whole life playing for the pistons isaiah thomas holds up a benny blaze jersey in silver dome in front of thousands of people i i mean I had never thought about playing in front of a thousand. I mean, even playing in Miami, you tone, you kind of tune out everybody that you, you know, that's in the stadium. But when you're standing in midcourt and you're meeting one of your idols from the Detroit Pistons and he's handing you a jersey and uh, a jacket, I'm like, wow, okay. Is, is this town gonna expect a whole lot from me? Because it's, al- <laughs> it's almost like passing the torch from Isaiah Thomas to Benny Blaze. It's like, oh, okay. I I don't, I don't think I could do for Detroit what he's done for the Benny. For the you're you're the third pick, man. You're you're big time I at this point. That. And and Look, Zeke is no joke either. This is 89 when he was the man back there running. Right. Through. So that had to be sweet when you saw that thirty six uh, on that Honolulu blue, and he handed that off to you. So that had to be a great yeah. Moment. And so that that's that's probably one of the only uh, pictures when you walk into my house that you'll you'll see around here, because for me that was uh my first lunch pail. Um, awakenings that I got because I knew Isaiah came to play every single night 
for the Pistons. So there, there's no way I was going to be able to let that town down, especially being, the, like you said, the third pick of the draft. I was like, nah, there, there's no way. And so <laughs> when I got when I got back from that weekend, I just told my agent, I said, look, make the best deal you can. I got to give these fans, you know, Benny Blades. I got to give them all of me. And when I got there, I mean, I, I was greeted by um, some some guys I, I would never forget my whole life. And one being Bruce McNorton, he was our starting uh, left corner. Bruce took me in. He really taught me the game of football from professionalism. Okay, he says, "Look, every every day when you when you show up, study the game, and you go out and you play as if you know every where everybody's supposed to be." I mean, to me, that was showing a young guy, such about because he's from Florida also. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm just glad he took me up under his wing and showed me what it, what it took to be, because I'm, I'm telling you that first, I ain't gonna say the, the first five games of the season of my rookie season, you guys probably would have never even heard, heard of a Benny plays ever again after that, because I, I, I called my mom after the fifth game I mean, we were losing so bad. I said, Mom, I'm not, I'm not used to this. I, I came from a program that we just beat the crap out of people for four years. And we took it pridefully that we were not going to let anybody kick our butts, especially in our house. And so when, when you get to the Detroit Lions and you're a top pick and people's passion for the game didn't equal yours. I mean, don't 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 get me wrong because I had guys like Jerry Ball, Chris Spillman, myself, like I said, Bruce McNaught. You had guys that cared about the game, but you had others that my rookie season, I mean, they would party and laugh and crack jokes when you lost. And I was like, man, this is absolutely nuts. And then you had a coach. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I don't, I don't know if he knew he was going to get fired, but Coach Rogers came out after a practice one day, and he actually counted the birds that landed on the Silver Dome while we are practicing. <laughs> and I, I just – I told those guys, is this, is this guy for real or is this a joke? I just – you know, before the prank started, you know, and then everybody, you know, it's, it's a big deal now. I thought he was just a big prankster. This is, is this guy for real? He doesn't care if we practice good, you know, if we practice bad. He actually counted the birds. Who cares about how many birds landed on the Silverdome? <laughs> exactly. Uh, especially, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I mean, 4 and 12 in, in, in 1988. But, Benny, you know, there's so much we got to get to uh, everybody out there listening. I, I mean, we're going to walk through this. Benny's got so many great things to say and so many stories we're, we're going to get to as much as we can and, and work our way through this. But I, I want to, all this stuff you're saying really interests me. So four and 12 in your rookie year under uh, Rogers, and then they moved to fonts, but I'm looking at your stats here, Benny in 1988 
And you're saying you struggled through the first five games with the losses, but I'm looking at 102 combined tackles. I mean, uh, you got three forced fumbles I'm looking at. I mean, you had a hell of a year there to start out uh, as a rookie. I mean, most rookies don't come in and make those type of plays. You know, started 14 out of 15 games, it says here. I mean, you didn't come in and ease your way in as a rookie. You got out there and played some ball. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when – Mr. Okuda is going to be tossed in the same scenario that, that I was, because when you're the third pick in the draft, people expect a lot out of you. That means you, you had one hell of a collegiate career. And so they want to see you perform on the field. I mean, when, when you're a defensive back or linebacker or just anybody who plays on the defense, you're going to be tossed into the fire when you, when you're a quarterback or a receiver that really doesn't, is trying to get the, know the, the lay of the, the game, you can bring them along slowly. But when you're on the defense, look, like I said, I had guys and I, and I, I credit them tremendously because me and Chris, I mean, we, we, we were drafted first and second round and we used to, you know, joke with one another, who's going to make the most tackles? Because <laughs> him coming from Ohio State, me coming from Miami, it's a competitive thing. You know, I'm going to try my darns to get over there before Chris gets over there. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, it was just one of those things. You you competed against not only the other uh, the opposing team, you, but you competed against one another because you want people to know that you're there only for your teammates. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to keep saying this. You're there for those people who come in the stadium to watch you. You know, I, I learned from as a young boy, nobody knows who's sitting at the end of the bench. Everybody in the stadium is going to know who's out there giving 100% play after play after play. That's what they're going to remember. And that's at 3-6 out there in that Honolulu Blue who's always given that. So absolutely, I'm right there with you. Great, great stuff there. Hey, you mentioned you mentioned Spielman. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was some of your, your favorite teammates or, or even some of the best players you played with. I mean, we know some of the main names, but um, who, who were some of your closest teammates on, on, on the team with the Lions? And then who was the guy maybe that was a little off the radar, but you knew every day in practice? he came to play and he was maybe even better than, than what he gets credit for. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the person that everybody seems to not give the credit to, I mean, I, I, I played with some amazing linebackers in my career. You know, we could talk about Michael Kofer, we could talk about Chris Spillman. These are guys who went to the Pro Bowl, but there's a guy, George Jameson, you nicknamed him the hammer. George is one of those players that every time I see George, me and George are probably about the same size. That's why I said, I don't know how he played linebacker and I played safety, but every single game, this guy competed. And he, I don't get, they, if they would ask him to blitz, he would make things happen. They asked him to drop back in coverage. He would make this. You got to have those type of people on your team that goes unnoticed. He's, he was our unsung hero 
I know for on, on the defense, we used to call him that all the time because he was one of those guys that, hey, he didn't even know the right. He just showed up. He just did his job. He did his job tremendously. Weekend after weekend after weekend. Very cool. What what were some of your closest teammates that you were uh, cool with on and off the field when you were there? Well, I, I have one right now to this day. I, we we call each other. That's my doomy. You know, we we <laughs> we, we got uh, drafted the same year. He was a fourth round pick from the the Ohio State University. He likes to always remind me of that. <laughs> William White. Uh, I I think uh, a part of me left. When, when when William left the Lions, you know, and it was all over uh, uh, a couple of thousand dollars, you know, and th- those are the things I tell people when you, especially as a defensive back in a secondary, when you build cohesiveness, when you know what that right arm is going to do and the right arm know what the left arm is going to do, you work in sync. And, and I'll never forget that. That's why him and I are so close friends today because what him and I built, we used to call ourselves Batman and Robin, okay? Because here I was, I was 6'2", almost 230-something pounds, and William was maybe 5'10", 190. <laughs> but yet people used to say, well, how are you guys doing that? You know, we, we didn't play strong safety, free safety. We play left and right because that way teams that know who's going to be in the box, who's going to play in the middle of the field, because they just said, how is that big guy going to be in the middle of the field? But they soon understood that I covered just as much ground as William did. And so when, when even off the field, we were roommates. We were roommates the night before the game. And so we knew everything there was to know about one another because when you live together you room together the night before the game and plus you know you you, you have that in syncness about yourself when you're on the field there there's nothing that me and me and william uh couldn't do together i mean we didn't care who got that got the accolades as, as long as we won the game no doubt that that's great and like you said i the batman and robin is fun to hear and i'm sure your guys compete level you always uh you know each one of you wanted to be batman but uh you were, you were competing <laughs> each practice each game to see who was the man out of that duo but you guys are great ball players and a great duo um benny let's 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 do this so i'm looking at records here you come in in 88 4 and 12 like you say you're not used to that losing you're not used to that type of feel 89 you guys are seven and nine that's that's you know subpar in the nfl and then you know six and ten you're still in that middle ground but i want to talk about these 90s teams after that 12 and four you know 1991 you win a playoff game and like after your first year wayne fonts is your coach i want to throw it to you and ask if you got you know one amazing Wayne Font story you can share with the people now obviously all the listeners got to realize I mean we're always going to be dipping into your stories and hearing the the history we're just trying to go over it in broad strokes right now so those early 90s teams would kind of have a great year and then fall back and then uh, get in the playoffs and fall back but 1991 I mean we haven't had a playoff win since then I just kind of wondered if you could uh, share Wayne Font's story and then tell us what that 91 season felt like winning 12 games 
and a playoff win, but then falling a little bit short after that. I'll tell you what, let me, let me uh, start off with a Wayne Font story. <laughs> because Wayne, Wayne, Wayne is the first coach that uh, thought about having OTAs in Tampa, Florida. And we just said, why are we going to Tampa, Florida? We can have OTAs right here in sunny Michigan. But hold, okay. hold on, hold on, Benny. You 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 aren't balking at Tampa, Florida, wanting to stay in Detroit. I mean, this is this is. I'm calling your bluff on this one. You, you were on the first plane telling Wayno to get you to Tampa. I mean, come on now. No, 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 no. You got to remember now. My first few years, well, my first couple of years, I lived. I was still living here in South Florida. Right. And then I built a house in Michigan, and. You know, the rest was history. I stayed up there and, and throughout the winters and all that other stuff. But I was like, why are we going to Tampa? I, I live in Fort Lauderdale. I don't want to go to Tampa. I want to come back to Michigan because I had gotten used to being in Michigan at that point. So, <laughs> but the reason why he wanted to come to Tampa didn't know. Eventually, he was trying to find a spot so he can retire so Wayne wanted to be down here he have on his shorts you know what I mean he have on his the Hawaiian shirts and it wasn't about us having OTAs it was about him just relaxing getting away from the game because like I said what he had built okay because the players made Wayne Fonts the head coach they were yeah. Out looking at other, you know, prospective coaches, and we as players says no, this is the guy we want because Wayne was one of those players' coaches. Once you've played the game, you understand what guys who are in that locker room what it means to be a coach. And so we went to bat for him, and they they gave him the job. And I, I tell people uh, a lot of times Wayne would go up and he would challenge the front office to, to keep his guys in Detroit. A lot of a lot of those battles he lost, but at least you would know he would go to bat for you. I mean, we just had you know a stickler of a GM. I mean, Chuck didn't. He, he, I, I always joke. I say Chuck wouldn't pay his mama to take him to the store. <laughs> you know. And I, I, I don't know why, you know, and he was so stingy. You know, I used to tell him all the time, I said, Chuck, you act like it's your money. This ain't your money. Oh, my goodness. So, that, you know, definitely I, before my time on that. But I, I've heard, <laughs> heard that. And like you say, I, I feel for you on, on that um, side of things, no doubt about it. But uh, what about Fonts? Like, was he was he similar to Jimmy where he uh, saw you and he had, he had given you that draft word, I'll see you at the draft? Well, did he make you one of his guys right away? And was he a, a, a fun guy to play for, hard to play for? We've obviously heard lots of stories about him uh, all across the board. I, I, I think during Wayne's time there, Wayne only had, I mean, he, he had, yeah, I was, I was one of his captains that he would have private meetings with myself, Lomas, Kevin Glover, Barry, and Jerry Ball. We were all going, we have private meetings with Wayne. Yep. But you know, Wayne Wayne was one of those people that he really didn't show favoritism outside of that little private meeting. And so and the, only, the only person and that got preferential treatment was that number 20. That yep. was it. 
<laughs> he would tell you point blank, period. I don't care what you do. Don't ever run. Benny, get off the field. Because if you run, if you run into Barry, there's gonna be problems. <laughs> uh, well, he was, he was a smart man, and there's no doubt about it. Because you got to take care of two zero. He he was. That's the, right. That's he right. Was, he was the franchise. He you you probably were the uh, enforcer on the defense, saying uh, let, let's not get our man hurt. He's a, he's their meal ticket to some degree. But uh, like I say, you and a few of the other guys were that way on defense. I mean, it was it was the Barry show on offense, but you you guys definitely uh, came together as defense. Talk about that ninety one. It feels like things came together. You obviously got rolling. You had an offense at that point that put up some points. Um, you know, a couple real uh, primetime playmakers on defense. What what did it feel like to roll twelve and four after you'd had some subpar seasons? Well, I'm I'm a roll back to 1990 first because that okay. uh, that that was the beginning of a nucleus because Jerry Ball was coming into his own defensively. Chris was. You know, that maniac he always is. And I, William White, and we, um, that next year in 91, we added a Terry Taylor and those other guys in the secondary. But in 1990, people don't realize defensively, we were starting to gel a lot quicker than the offense. I mean, there, there were a few games where we would hold a team to 10 points. And even with the great Barry Sanders, the offense couldn't put any points on the board. And so that was very frustrating for us. And so when 91 came around and you had guys like Eric Andosak, you know, at the guard, Mike Utley at the other guard, and you had Lomas and Kevin, they started to build a line around Barry and to give him what he needed as far as a run offense. And then those same guys, I mean, you brought in Brett Perriman, Herman Moore, Johnny Morton. Those guys knew the game of football and how to get open. I mean, when you got guys in my earlier career that they were just running routes just to be running routes. But these guys knew if they had a sliver of separation, the ball would be there. And so – as a defense, we were so happy that we didn't have to, you know, go out and play balls out every single play and hold our breath that, you know, hey, that, that, that offense has scored some points. So, 91, when we started gelling, I, I tell you what, that was the best feeling in the world. And here comes the month of November, you know. <laughs> Mike, Mike Utley goes down, and I tell you what, uh, I, I, after witnessing that, I tell people you don't 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 tell me football players can't die on a football field, because here's a, here's a guy that lay motionless, and for us it it seemed it seemed like a, a, for a week he was laying there, because when you, one of your comrades go down, and even to this day, when I talk to Mike Utley, he doesn't regret playing the game of football. And I tell people, you know, the game doesn't owe any of us anything. But when he went down, he gave us that jaunting thumbs up. That let us know that 
it was okay to go out and try to finish what you know they what what we've started, and we just happened to run into a buzzsaw in that Washington Redskins because they they beat us early in the season, and they beat us you know to go to the, the go to the Super Bowl, and I, and I tell people after that 1991 season when you come back, see people always know the starters on a football team, but they. We, we lost so many guys, you know, because like I said, Chuck just wouldn't open up that, that purse string. And so, you know, if you lose a guy for $10,000 because he, you know, that's what he's deserving of. And, and we know as a team he's deserving of that, but you'll let him go to another team for, you know, a $5,000 difference. Just, okay, they split the cost. And I'm like, wow, you can't do that. And I, and I talk to guys from the Dallas Cowboys all the time. And the first thing Mike and those guys tell me, man, we was nervous about playing y'all that next year because we had beat uh, Jimmy Johnson team solidly in 1991. I mean, when I, I talk to Coach Johnson every year down in Key West, after that year, he tried to get me over to Dallas. Now, the Lions wasn't having it, but <laughs> you, 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 you let all the people around us go. You keep myself, you keep Jerry Ball, you keep Chris Billman. But when you let other guys that are important to a defense, important to an offense, when you let them go, it, it, you now you have to start gelling all over again. There's a gap in responsibilities, and I tell people. You have to know that person that you're playing next to. You know, a lot of times that may be a two, three year window of learning that person. And so when you know that person, and then all of a sudden that person is not there anymore, now it takes a while to get to know the next person. Because I'm, I'm telling you, after 1991, I mean, Ryan McNeil, I think, came in in 93 or 94. And I had been there, I was the OG of the locker room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that that's that old guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Holding it down. Yep. Yeah. And so a, a lot of times I would call coverages out and tell them exactly what the receiver's gonna do after doing your film study. And because he was a rookie in the league, he was like, no, 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 they ain't gonna do that. And then when they run a post or they run the slant, and I just look at him and say, are you not gonna believe me? I, I look. I've done this for a lot of years. Just trust me. Right. And so, I mean, when, when year after year after that, you know, you go through growing pains, just trying to get young kids to understand the game of football. I don't care how well you play personally. And that's why I always tell people, yeah, my stats look real good. I wish I didn't, you know, was averaging 90 some tackles a, a year then my body wouldn't be so beat up. But you give your body or you put your body in service for your teammates. But a lot of times you say, OK, look, man, I just wish you would just believe what I'm saying. You can make that interception. I'll go over the top or let me make the interception. If you ain't going to believe me, I'll jump down on the slant. And those things is what the fans don't realize, you know, all it says, well, why, why did he want to leave? 
Because I tell people, at, at, in, in 19, I think I had my best year statistically as a Detroit Lion in uh, 1996. And, uh, and that, was, that was only because I, I, I tried to prove them wrong. Because when your GM comes to you and says, look, I'd rather some young kids and I, I, don't, I don't just think you, you're going to make it here as a, as a lion anymore. <laughs> I'm going to show you. <laughs> and that, 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 was, that was no knock on anybody that they had drafted. I just wanted to know, you know, just because there's snow on the roof, there's a whole lot of fire left in, 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 in my belly, and I, I just want to <laughs> prove them wrong. Absolutely. Uh, man, th- there is just so much. I don't even know where to start. Everybody, I'm sitting back like you are, everybody that's out there listening and just listening to Benny you know, talk us through all this uh, from his playing career. It's it's just audio gold, Benny, no doubt about it. But the, one of the things you said that really jumped out to me was about how the defense needs a good offense. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how good your defense is. You want to have a good offense that can go out there put up points, you know, be that partner um, that you can count on and vice versa. And you guys were obviously that for the offense as well. Um, I just have a few more questions um, on, on this episode. We'll obviously get into some of this stuff more where we'll hit on specific stories, but you kind of glanced over that, uh, how it felt to get that playoff win. I mean, I bet back then it didn't seem like as big of a deal um, maybe, but us as Lions fans, you know, we've only been to the playoffs a few times since, and we've got L's every time. So did, did you guys feel a real sense of, wow, we, we beat the, you beat the Cowboys, right? I mean, again, yeah. this is a little bit, uh, you beat them pretty soundly. I know people were like, hey, it's going to be the Cowboys and the Lions, you know, moving forward with this talent. So, I mean, did you really feel the city just getting behind you? And obviously, like you said, you had the Utley stuff. I mean, was that monumental? Because it sure felt like it like it was. And I know you talked us through kind of the end of your career, but I've got a a couple quick questions about that. But what about that playoff win? I tell you what, even to this day, uh, I tell people, when you go into the playoffs, you know, all the records out the window. I, I happen to be getting ready to play against some good friends of mine and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. And that old Miami uh, glare came out. And <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike is a competitor just like I am. And during pregame, I told him, I said, not Mike, not in our house. It's like, Benny, you know me. You know what I mean? I'm scoring about three, four times a day. I said, Mike, I'm telling you, you better keep it on the outside because you know you come to this middle. I'm tearing the head off. He said, that's why I ain't coming in the middle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Incredible. You know, so, you know, it, it, it was a lot of talking between me and the playmaker before the game. And so to beat them, I mean, I, I tell people we beat them in every single phase of that game special teams defensively and offensively i mean you there, there's not one phase of that game you can go back and i always tell people because i go back and watch it you know every every now and then because those memories you know they start to get vague in your in your mind but when you go back and you relive them it's like man I just really, really, really wish we could have kept the Toby Cassins because, you know, you guys are young and go back and look at some of those special teams players that we had, Nico Noga, 
Toby Gaston. Those guys would actually, okay, take turns and bet each other who's going to go down on the kickoff and make the tackle. And that, that's the passion that we had in 1991. Nobody wanted to let the next person outdo them. It didn't matter because I, I think that game, either Ray or Mel Jenkins got an interception against Troy for a touchdown. Now, you don't think the, 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 the next two quarters, me and William White was trying to get an interception? <laughs> no doubt because you know because you don't you don't want the person to outdo you you're happy for them because we're teammates it's like man i sure wish he'll throw the ball this way because I, I i need one of them troy aikman interceptions <laughs> but you know when it doesn't happen because yeah, when, when i run across emmett smith you say man i ain't never had nobody hit me as hard as you hit me you ain't had to do me like that i say well <laughs> I couldn't get an interception, so I had, to, I had to make my name known some kind of way. So slapping you in the mouth was about the best thing I could do. Plus, he's a Florida Gator, so what does he expect he's going to uh, get? Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, that was even goodness. worse for me. <laughs> oh, that's that's incredible. I mean, like you say, it's a, that, that was a moment for the city. I, I think once we get talking about this current Lions team, Benny, I mean, the city just can't wait to get another team like that that had some – impactful defenders, you know, an offense that could go out and electrify at times. And I think, you know, as much as some don't think so, I think we're, we may not be too far off from that with what we have currently. Uh, They could really surprise some people. I I just want to finish it out like this before we take our break. And then we'll talk about the current safeties. Like it sounds to me like your last few years in Detroit, you know, like weren't the greatest when it comes to maybe contract negotiations. I am looking at your numbers here. Like you said, 96, you, you balled out, you know, 106 tackle. You know, you were getting after the football in a lot of different ways. So you were playing top quality ball. You know, you're with the Lions in nine. Uh, oh, then you went to Seattle in, in 97. It, it sounds like you left, you know, over, like you said, maybe some money issues. But you did go play with your brother right in Seattle. Like, uh, I just wanted you to hit on that quickly of, of leaving the Lions and, and what that felt like in your heart being here uh, so long and being such a great player. And then also what it was like to team up and, and sort of be out in Seattle for that year. Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to, my, like I said, that 96 season, I, I was on a mission to prove my general manager wrong. I mean, you, you know, you, you're going to try to just throw, throw me away like trash, you know, and I, and I, I had played that 96 season in that strong side linebacker, weak side linebacker, middle linebacker, strong safety, free safety, anywhere I needed to line up to make that team defensively better. I did that for the team and to show him that I'm multi-talented. I can play any different position that needs to be played. And even at the end of the season in negotiations, I said, look, you know, I want to retire a lion. Although I was asking for a two-year contract, I said, let me retire a lion. Let me finish my career here with the Lions, but he had all, he had other plans. And so, and like I say, it goes back to, I left with a, with a bad taste in my mouth because I, I really, really, really want to, you know, always and forever be a Lion. But, you know, sitting at home 
I, I'll never forget that in March of the of that next year, I got a call. My brother had talked to Seattle. Says, "Look, my brother's a free agent, man. Y'all pick him up." And the, that defensive coordinator who was at Seattle, he was like, "Can I gonna sign your brother back?" And my brother was like, "No." And, you know, they're, they're, they're through with it. So Seattle gave me a three-year deal. And, of course, I had my agent. I said, before I do this, please just call back and find out, you know what I mean? It's either they can match it or it's a little bit less than that. Because I, the unknown of going to a new team is always scary. Okay, I wanted to go play with my brother, but it's always scary. I have built a nucleus and a life in Detroit. Okay, and wanting to leave, I mean, me, me, and the, me and the fans, even after games, I would sit there and sign numbers and numbers of, of autographs because they had became my family. And so when it was time to go, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget my first day of practice in Seattle. I asked my brother, say, do you guys practice like this every day? Because they had shimmies on you know, and just helmets. It's like, we don't do no hitting around here. I was like, whoa, this is a far cry from Detroit. I said, <laughs> I said bro, we hit during the week. What are you talking about? I said, no, nah, we, we don't do that out here. I said, whoa, okay. And so it, it, it took some getting used to when, you, when your body's used to being physical all the time when physicality becomes a part of your game and your everyday existence until well now you're you out there and I used to call it La La Land and I was like man I mean that was a totally different than what I was used to and so that, that that's a whole sour taste in my mouth you know leaving Detroit going out there you know I mean it was it was a wonderful experience and out there, I, they, they, they treated me with a lot of respect. Like I told you, I'm, I was 6'2". At that time, I was 235 pounds, and I was playing free safety. And I'll never forget my, my first week of practice. Joey Galloway tells my brother, hey, man, that's a big old safety we done picked up. <laughs> my, brother, my brother said, you don't know what that is? And he said, no, who is it? Who is that? He said, that's my brother, Benny. <laughs> and Joey said, that ain't Benny. He ain't fast. Nah. They threw him a fade route. <laughs> oh. And before, before he could look up, I'm in the middle of the field. I'm standing next to him saying, don't catch that ball. He said, how do you get over here so fast? <laughs> I said, oh. look, when, when, when you get long in the tooth in football, you have to learn the angles of the game. It's, you know, people think, okay, young people, it's good to have youth and athleticism, but when you get older in the game, like the Tom Brady's, you learn the game of football, okay? And so that, that, that's the point where I was when I got to Seattle, and that was, that's where I was my last year in Detroit. I knew the game of football, and so there's nothing, even to this day, I can, I can look at football and say they get ready to do this right here people say well how do you know if you've been around football as long as i have you 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 just know the game 
I think I think it's so awesome to hear, um, you know, from the Lions fans perspective that you had so much love that you wanted to stay here. Again, it's disappointing to hear that they were pinching pennies on a guy who had not only played at such a high level, but wanted to be here, was willing to take less. You said you went back and asked for a match. They still didn't do it. So I totally am with you that uh, I'm glad you you went and played with your brother and kind of took the, the three-year deal that they offered you. I mean, I've, everybody would love to have you in the city, you know, put that 3-6, you know, from day one until you hung it up. But uh, that's the business of the NFL. So everybody, I mean... We, we, we could have done three hours, to, to be honest, with with Benny listening to more <laughs> stories and having him walk us through. But we wanted to give kind of a, you know, general look over his Lions career. Obviously, that's going to come up. We'll have to come up with some segments where Benny could just pick out a game or a moment and tell us about uh, the Definitely. story, even as we're working through the current season and whatnot. But, uh, Benny, I thank you for sharing all that. I know anybody that was a fan in the 80s and 90s and watched you play. It is just eating this up right now. This was a tremendous uh, first uh, part of the podcast. So I just thank you for being open and sharing and people are going to love that. I can't wait to put this out and have everybody hear all the stuff you share. That, that was just great. So how about we take a break, get our sponsors in here. And when we come back, uh, we might turn the tables a little bit. I might have to school you a little bit on the new school Lions safeties. And then you can tell me what you think or, or tell these boys okay. what they got to do in 2020, 2021 and moving forward to play like Benny Blades. How about that? All right. Everybody, we'll be right back. (laughs) What's going on, Believe in Lions listeners? Now, I got a question for you. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24/7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. Head to simplysafe.com/team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/team. It feels good to fear less. Believe in Lions fans, we are back from the break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. And uh, definitely hit that subscribe button on your phone. Share this with a friend. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, um, TuneIn. Uh, I'm your host, Derek Oakery. You can find me on Twitter, at Derek Oakery. Definitely search Benny Blades on Twitter. Hit him up. Give him a follow. And I know we had some fans that sent some great pictures of you and Barry. And we're telling, man, that was my guy back in the day. Like, Benny Blades was the hammer on defense. And so I was getting lots of those in my Twitter feed, which was cool. So we'll we'll start taking questions here before you know it. But, Benny, we worked through your career at the U. I'm not going to play the soundbite this time, but we'll get that back in. We talked about your time with the Lions, and we talked about how you finished up with the Lions. Now we're moving this forward to 2020. And I want to talk about the three main Lions safeties. I'll give you my thoughts and kick it to you. And then I want to, I got some questions about what makes a safety. So the top guy I want to talk about is Tracy Walker, number 21 for the Detroit Lions. These are some of the bullets I wrote down about him. When he was drafted, he was kind of like an unknown player. He was off a lot of people's radar. Benny, you're probably going to hear me talk about it a lot. 
I love the NFL draft. I study up on all these players. I got my draft boards here at the at the scouting office here at my house. I'm over on everything. When they took Tracy Walker, he was off my radar. He was not a guy that I had pegged um, coming out of Louisiana Lafayette. This kid's got some long arms, some of the longest arms I've seen. It's incredible. He's got go-go gadget arms. Um, he played corner in college. So even when they announced him, they didn't announce him as a safety. They were like Tracy Walker, um, and they just named his school. So they they didn't call him a corner, a DB, or a safety. They just uh, called him out, which is always telling when the team does that. Um, this guy's a leader, Benny. This is a guy that has grown into his role these past couple years. I think I talked to my other buddy about this uh, on our other podcast a lot. He's a D-A-W-G. He's a dog, Benny. This guy's got some dog <laughs> tendencies. He gets after you. He'll get after you. He had over 100 tackles last year. He can cover. He can hit. He's really coming into his own with range, coverage, tackling. I think he's a future captain of this team. I think he's got Pro Bowl potential as soon as this year. But he also has inconsistencies. He got burned last year on, on some coverage. You know, he was, um, you know, out of out of position at times. And, uh, you know, I think he's had either some injuries or has been off the field a little bit. But Tracy Walker's one of my guys and one of the guys that Detroit Lions fans are fired up about. You, you got any takes on Tracy Walker or anything that you've seen or, or heard about well, this kid? Because I'm excited after, about him. After watching some of the clips on, on Mr. Walker and, like I said, going up to the, uh, the alumni games, I always watch the safeties. And he, like you said, he's going to have that chance to be the next Pro Bowl safety that the Lions have for years to come. Because I like his tenacity. I mean, when when he's he has vicious intentions, much like myself, when, he, when he's trying to tackle people. And that that's, that makes for a great safety because he, I mean, even in, in a in a passing league like this is right now, he's taking his ball hawking skills from the cornerback position and he's transformed that into being a, a well-rounded safety, and, and that's what it takes, especially in today's game. You got to transition yourself from corner to safety and he's done that well. And I, and I, I wish this kid has have a marvelous career, you know, because when you get the soul of the Detroit lions faithful to love you, then you'll, you'll, you'll be there for a while. Yeah. I mean, this kid's six, one, two ten. like they're not making them like you back in the day with, with, with the, um, you know, the weight that you had, the speed you had and the hitting ability, but this kid, he can come down and, and play tight ends in the slot. I mean, Tracy's a guy that you can move all over the football field, especially now. I think you're going to see him moved around a lot. Um, the length that he has, as well as being able to come sideline to sideline, like you said you did back in the day. I mean, I'm expecting him to get his hands on some more footballs as well. So I'm just really excited to see him. And, and the last thing I'll say about him is I know they had a, a video camera on the Lions war room when they took Tracy Walker and Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia could not have been more fired up when they took this kid. And everybody was kind of like Tracy Walker, like he, he wasn't on many people's radar. He was kind of like one of those NFL darlings where the NFL guys liked him, but the media and stuff hadn't really talked about him much. So we as fans were like, why, why are they so fired up about this guy? I think a lot of Detroit fans are coming around on Tracy Walker and excited to see him in his third year here and really being a, an integral piece of this defense. So um, the reason I say he's going to be freed up a little bit more, uh, Benny, is Deron Harmon is coming over to the Detroit Lions. 
via trade from guess who yeah. the new England Patriots, new England a Patriots. fifth, a fifth round pick. <laughs> I mean, I'm here to tell you, Daron Harmon is a ball Hawk. He's been in the league. Um, I mean, the guy's 29 years old now. He's got similar size to Tracy Walker, six, one, um, two Oh five. Again, all three of these safeties really similar in size. You know, Tracy has the length, but Daron Harmon can go get the football. He's that classic single high safety that you just leave in the middle of the football field. You can bring Tracy down. You can move your linebackers all around and just leave Harmon on the back end and he can play sideline to sideline to go get the football as well as direct traffic back there I mean he's had lots of INTs to close football games he's a leader on and off the field a really humble good guy I can't wait to see Deron Harmon in a Lions uniform I think that he can be a uh, an old school vet in the back room that we haven't had the last couple years really bring everybody together so any any thoughts on him other than like you say where Uh, he's coming from you just said he's an old school vet. He's gonna be able to teach Will Harris and Tracy Walker how to play the game at the Absolutely. at the highest level. Absolutely. Because he's he's had he has Super Bowl experience, and that's invaluable when you're talking about a secondary. He he, he can give those guys pointers about different receivers, he can pointers about different lineups that he's seen. And that's invaluable when, when, when it comes to a, a safety and teaching young, aggressive safeties. Like you say, all, all these guys are, have about just about the same measurables. And so for him, it's going to free up uh, Tracy to do, I, I think, what Tracy likes to do and, and covering the tight ends and and the slot receivers and getting those long arms in use because like I said, watching Tracy's uh, film when he was at Louisville. Uh, uh, The Cajuns, Louisiana. The Cajuns, yep. The Raging Cajuns, you know. That's his biggest asset. And so by having Duran there, he can go back and use the assets that, you know, God gives us all different assets. And his length arm-wise is it, it, going to, you know, help Tracy to develop, you know, that those skills that Tracy has by having Duran there as a veteran. Now, Will Harris, he's a, just a young athletic pup. Now, you tell me a little bit something about Will. Yeah, uh, I will tell you about, well, last thing I want to say about Teron Harmon, you remember Glover Quinn? Uh, we had him about yes. three, four years ago. He he yeah. was that same guy, that wily vet. He came to Detroit kind of rate. He wasn't a young pup, but he wasn't past his prime. And he had three, four plus good years here in Detroit where he was picking off passes and all that. That's my comparison for Harmon. I think they're bringing him right at the right time to play with these young cats. So I'm yeah. excited about it. Speaking of young cats, Benny, Will Harris, they took him in the third round. And they actually took him with the pick that they got by trading Golden Tate, which I know Golden Tate was a loved receiver here in Detroit, but I was a proponent of, hey, he played out his contract. He was great here, but it was a perfect time to deal Golden Tate, in my opinion. And uh, they went and got a guy like Will Harris, which here's what I put down about Will Harris. He's a run and hit type player. 
Um, he's got really good leadership qualities. I went and watched some interviews with him when he got drafted and the kid has just got a great head on his shoulders. He hadn't even come in the league yet. And he seemed like a five-year vet to me based on his interviews and the type of things he said, um, just, you know, the mentality that he had. Um, they didn't call him a safety either, which, which showed me that they think they can play this kid all over the field and even uh, move him around. Even if he's got to cover like a corner at times, he struggled in coverage in 2019. Everybody here in Detroit beats up Will Harris that hey he, he hasn't been that impactful or he, they see him getting beat on routes here and there. I mean, the kid got thrown in the fire when Quandre Diggs got traded. So, you know, he, he just hasn't been ready yet. He's a big, fast athlete, a versatile piece. I mean, I put um, now he's a backup, you know, with Harmon and Tracy there that they, they may play some three safeties, but, um, you know, Will Harris is probably going to be a backup when only they got two safeties on the field. I think that's OK for him uh, coming into um, where he's at in his career. And he's personally one of my favorite players because I'm not a guy that just gives up on a guy, you know, after one season or says, you know, oh, he hasn't lived up to X, Y and Z. I think he's going to come into a role. I could see him being a, a captain as well in, in some degrees. And I think you just got to let this kid, you know, get him in the box a little bit more, let him run, maybe blitz and let his natural instincts take over. Maybe he was thinking too much last year. So that's what I got on Will Harris. Now I sent you some clips of him. One of the greatest like uh, beats that he had on one of his tracks. I, I play that for friends. One of the songs <laughs> that he's got on his highlight tape is, is just uh, incredible. And uh, the kid was a ball player at Boston college. So he just needs a little bit of time, but Will Harris, I think could still be a really good ball player for this team. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be special. Like you just said, with the acquisition of Duran, that's going to allow him. I mean, when last year he got, like you said, he just got beat up. He was overwhelmed in, in that role. And for a lot of young safeties, I mean, even I go back to myself, even I was overwhelmed at times. But, you know, we we're talking about a different, era now where there's there's not much running of the football to where physicality is a big key okay in today's game you're going to see the maturation of little young will in two years because when you get a guy like Duran and Duran's going to teach him some things that, you know those wide vets you know that's our job is to teach young kids how to play the game and pick up certain tendencies that, you know, the fans don't see that one quarterback may have different than another quarterback and what, you know, and what one receiver may do different than another receiver. And so if, if he gets with Duran and, and he really learns the game of football, not from an athletic standpoint, but from a game standpoint you'll you'll see his 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 play come up to where it needs to be i agree and uh, as you said earlier let's let's have will harris and tracy listen to the vets unlike it sound like it happened towards the end of your career listen to deron Harmon and and pick his brain for sure because i think that's going to be huge benny i just got a couple quick ones to end out um in regards to safety position um what does it take to play the safety position at a high level in your opinion? Maybe one or two things that you think is most important um, either back when you played or maybe now with today's game, like you say, it's a little bit more pass happy. What do you, what do you think are a couple key things to play the position? Well, I'm, I'm only going to deal with today's game because I get that 
question a lot from the young kids down here. And I tell them, in today's game, the best way to play the safety position is depth, depth, depth. Because a lot of a lot of times, you know, there you know, receivers are making two, three different moves because it's a pass happy lead. And you see a lot of guys that want to cheat up, you know, 12 yards for 10 yards. Nobody's running the ball in today's game anymore. Make make yourself comfortable. Line up at 15 yards. That way you can see everything develop in front of you. There's nothing changes as far as the game is concerned. And that's why every now and then I'll go out and I'll prove the young kids wrong. I says, look, I'm 54 years old and <laughs> I can line up at 17 yards. Well, these guys are a lot younger. You line up at 15 yards and I get there before the ball gets there. I say, once you start reading what the quarterback does, he doesn't have 900 seconds to sit back there and throw the ball unless he, you know, somebody missed a sack and he's scrambling around. Then that's why I said depth, depth, depth. Because as long as you're as deep as the deep, you can never get beat. And so uh, a lot of young safeties don't want to take the time. There, there are such things as that three-step read. I don't care if he's in the shotgun. One, two, three, there's a read. And you're going to know where the ball is going to be thrown to 80% of the time. I mean, you, you, you can talk to Mr. Dawkins from Philadelphia. You talk to the great Ed Reed from um, the Baltimore Ravens, and they will all tell you, just like Benny Blaze is telling you, depth, depth, depth. That way you can see everything that's going to play out in front of you. Because a lot of times when you see it, you have a chance to react right when the quarterback's throwing the ball. So it's going to end up in you're going to knock the crap out of him or you're going to get an interception. And then in today's game, that's why fans, that's why they pay. They want, they want to see, you know what I mean, what, one of those things that happen. They don't want to see receivers catch the ball. I don't. Great, great stuff there. And I'm right there with you. Deep, deep, be the deepest, uh, deep is the deepest type of thing. Benny, I want to play a quick game. It just came up top of my head. Uh, I mean, we can agree that uh, the U is probably a safety U, wouldn't you say? Safety you, receiver you, <laughs> running back you. I don't know which 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 position. <laughs> well, we kind of got them all covered now. Tight end you. <laughs> I, I, I thought we could at least play the sound bite for your safety. So I mean, we we got the one and only Benny Blades, who's from the U. It's all about the U. You mentioned a certain guy. I don't know. He's a Hall of Famer, Ed Reed. Where's he from, Benny? Aries is from Louisiana. Where where did he play college by chance? The U, baby. The U. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what about another guy that jumps to mind? The uh the guy we lost way too soon. I, I mean his name Sean was Sean Taylor. Taylor, absolute ball player. Where where did he play college ball? The U baby. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We, we got to we got to get that music, and we got to get some some canes in here for you to make you happy. All right, I got, I got right. One, I got one last question for you, and then we'll get out of here. 
um, today's game versus when you played when it comes to safeties? Like, obviously, back when you played, is a bit, is a lot more physical. And like you said, you racked up a ton of tackles. Do you like it that now today is a little less physical and some of the passing? Are, are you getting into that, or do you wish it was no. it was still a little smash mouth? No. Any anybody who's played the game, uh, because I I have to go back because now that I manage a youth league program and I still referee high school football, I'm always doing something around the game of football. And I just don't like the passiveness that the game is going into. I mean, I know that people can say, well, it's all because of the concussion protocol. There's been concussions since the beginning of time. Yep. I mean, people people don't say that when it, when it comes to karate. They go in a karate match and they kick each other in the head and right. knock each other out. You know what I mean? You, you have seen. Well, oh, you know, the concussion protocol. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I, I tell people, old school football is going to always be the best football. Because I, you can take a poll of all of the fans. I know people always say points, points, points. People want to see points. The the, the lowest-rated Super Bowl was two years ago because it was a defensive game. <laughs> and it got the lowest ratings because nobody wanted to see defense. <laughs> so when the defense catches up with the offense, they change the rules again. I'm telling you, in about five years, I told you it's going to be a billion-dollar football player. In five years, they're going to be running around with red jerseys on saying, don't hit him, just push him down. <laughs> Pull his flag. Yeah, I mean, come on. You well, know what I mean? Hold on, though. Hold on. I, I, hold on. I, no, I, I've, been, I've been agreeing with you all episode. <laughs> I, I've been loving what you're saying. I want to push back a little bit on this as we end the show because I agree with you. Nobody likes it more than seeing somebody get hit in the mouth or somebody make a great hit, great tackle. But, but Benny, you got to respect these guys now that can are 6'1", 220, 210, 220, that can run with receivers, that can deal with these crazy tight ends. They didn't have tight ends like they do now back in your day. I mean, very few and far between. So you got to be able to cover. you got to be able to run. And, yeah, you might not take somebody's head off because the way they throw flags nowadays. But these guys are freak athletes at the position. So I'm, I'm with you. They're, they're, they're definitely freaks of nature nowadays. Look, the game has evolved into bigger, stronger, I'm not going to say faster, but they're more athletic as far as lean muscle. They don't have bulky muscle like the old days where, you know, you had to hit the weight room. They have lean muscle, so these guys are a lot more rangier, you know, than the compactfulness back then because you had to bulk up for the physicality of the game. And so I, I'm not, I'll, I, it's that I'm not, I don't want to give these guys a nod saying, ah, yeah, today, today's uh, safety and defensive player is better than the old school. No, because if, if you if you talk to guys like Deacon Jones and, you know, they'll, they'll tell you <laughs> even our days were a lot passive and a, and a, and a itchy league because those guys just slap you in the ear 
and, and there was, that was never called. Okay, so the game is gonna always evolve in something that's a lot safer than what it was back in the early fifties. Okay, right. and so we we just have to roll with the with the with the day and age that we're where we're living in. But the only reason I say that is because they're throwing flags. When a guy, you know, I've, I've yet to understand that, you know, if a guy has started his hitting motion and you drop your center of gravity and we hit helmet to helmet, now that's considered targeting. I, I, I would never understand because the laws of physics will not allow you to stop in mid strike. It just can't happen. Well, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's become a little, uh, you know, uh, what's the word you're looking for? Sissified or wimpy league, you know, to some, <laughs> some degrees, but, but I'm going to have to start calling you Mr. Blades. If, if I can't get you into 2020, 2021 here, because it's a new game. It's a new league. Everybody loves what happened back in your day, but we got to evolve with the times and, and you got to respect I, these, like I say, these current I'm, guys. I'm, so look, look, we, we, we can't try, tell them. <laughs> I am trying to evolve, but it's going to take me a little time. Okay. Maybe okay. by maybe by the time my grandson gets to the <laughs> National Football League, and I'm in my 80s and 90s, I'll evolve. But I, I just can't. I mean, it's it's just a, it's a different game for me right now. I mean, like I, I, say, I understand it. I understand. Let's it, let, let let me say this to to end this <laughs> off. So I I think you're gonna love the I think the safety position is better than it's been since you played right now with the Lions with the three we talked about as well as some of the other depth they have at the position I think you're going to be very proud of these guys uh this year and next year if they can keep this group together along with some of the other defenders so Benny we um we have spent we've been talking for about an hour 20 or so now like we walked through your Lions career we talked about um the current issues and you had some great thoughts as well as I gave my opinion on these safeties like I mean next week these guys are going to be at camp like we're going to have to turn the clock forward and talk about this current team and I can't wait till you get to see you're going to have to keep your eye on number 21 this year that's Tracy Walker your boy, the old school vet, number 26, Deron Harmon. I want to see you watching him all year, critiquing him, what he does good and bad. And uh, hopefully the young cat, Will Harris, will come into his own as well. But uh, get fired up about this team, Benny. I mean, you got to believe, B-L-E-A-V, in these safeties and this Detroit Lions team as we continue here on the Believe in Lions podcast. I mean, are you all about that or what? I am all about believing in my Lions. And that's spelled what? B-L-E-A-V. Please believe in my Lions. (laughs) They believe in the Lions. They believe in this podcast. Benny, this is a home run episode. I mean, people are going to love this. We got to get this out to the people and keep uh, doing what we're doing. But uh, you've been tremendous. This is only show number two, and I can't wait for show number three. So anything else before we get up out of here from you? No, just keep loving the Lions. We, we will keep doing that, and we'll be back here uh, next week. Uh, again, this show's dropping Thursday mornings for you uh, every week. And uh, cannot wait. Uh, thanks so much for uh, Benny and his stories and his uh, great football uh just takes that he had today that was tremendous and uh all lions fans past present and even future are going to love this show so benny we'll get up out of here we'll tell everybody to believe in the lions and we'll catch you next week right here on the believe in lions podcast right here on the believe podcast network take care everybody we're out i believe i believe i believe if i can get respect from these guys 
I'm a darn well get respect and I'm gonna demand the respect from anyone else. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.